Thanks for joining us today for Bread of Life, a ministry of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. At the core of our ministry is the conviction that Christ is our sufficiency in all things. Our prayer is that the message today might bring your thoughts near to Christ's abundant grace. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. And now here for a brief introduction is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. We've been learning how to pray for the mission work of the gospel around the world, and today we begin the seventh and last lesson on this topic, but we do so with a review of all that we've considered before this. The last prayer will be, of all things, a prayer for world peace. You should note that the government of Jesus' day was quite ruthless. Nonetheless, under the Romans, there was a peace that was established of conquered people. The Pax Romana was a peace that allowed for the advance of the gospel. In this, we should learn that the mission of the gospel is of greater importance than those campaigns we might with good motivations engage in that agitate for government revolutions. No, we're to turn our energies to prayer for peace. We've been learning over the last six weeks, this is the seventh and last message, on how to pray for missions. We've recognized that it is God's desire for people of every tongue and every tribe and every nation to come and worship Him, and we are to go with a message that would help make those individuals fit to worship Him, that their rags of sin can be removed and they can be clothed with the robes of Jesus Christ's own righteousness, that He's died for their sins, He's come to make out of all nations and to draw out of all nations a people who are uniquely fit for His praise. John chapter 4, the Lord Jesus speaking to the Gentile Samaritan woman told her that God was seeking for those, God was searching for those who would worship Him in spirit and in truth. Well, now we're called to be a part of that search with Him. Our job, our role is to be a part of the search of drawing men from every place and every region to come and worship before God. Our first expression in that program, in that job, in that mission that we share now that God has extended out to us is that we pray. We learn how to pray. We learn how to pray for the mission broadcast, the extensive broadcast of the ends of the earth of God's gospel. And so, again, just very rapidly, these are the things that we've discussed. We've discussed that first we pray that God would raise up new workers, and we used Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38 to illustrate that. Next, we pray that there would be unity between these new workers, that they would be unified in their relationships with one another and unified in their purpose and their mission in the task that's at hand. And for that, we used Romans chapter 15, verses 30 and 31. The third thing that we pray is that these workers might be delivered from death that they might be delivered from the pall or the shadow of death, from the despair of death, from the depression that being in a world filled with the forces and attrition of death might be delivered from all these things. And so we use 2 Corinthians 1 verses 8 through 11 where Paul asked that the Corinthians pray for them and he tells them how that he despaired of life itself. Then, fourth, we prayed that these workers taking the gospel to the ends of the earth might 
be bold and clear in their proclamation of the gospel. We used Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20 to talk about that. We talked about the need for supernatural boldness and supernatural clarity when directing our speech to the hearts of people. By the way, as we've talked about these things, I hope you've picked up, and I'll mention it again today, that one of the major themes is what we pray for is what we ought to live for. Our prayers not only regulate what we think and anticipate God to do to the ends of the earth, but what we long God to do in our own community, what we long God to do in our own lives. The fifth thing that we said we should be praying for are for new opportunities for the clear speaking of the gospel. We use Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 4 to illustrate that. And what a wonderful illustration it is. Paul is in prison. And he's not praying, pray that God will just get me out of prison. He's praying God will open doors for me while in prison. So that during Paul's time in prison, where he writes four books, and the last book he writes in Philippians, the first one was Colossians, the last book where he says, pray that God will open doors to me. And while he's still in prison, he writes Philippians. And in Philippians, he says, it's been good that I've been here. God has used this to open the door for the gospel to be claimed throughout all of the palace guards. God's filled the people with boldness. And so, what a wonderful thought. That we should not fixate on all the restrictions around us, but that we should instead pray, God, in every place, in every land, at every point, give your workers eyes to see the opportunities for the clear pronouncing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number six, we prayed for the rapid spreading and acceptance of the gospel message to those to whom it's sent. And we use 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. And we said in review... We're to pray for this rapid spreading of the gospel because this is the way that the gospel works. When the gospel comes upon individuals, it doesn't bear out some slow, you know, drudging movement in their lives. When the gospel ultimately breaks in by the power of God in a person's life, God is not working on reformation in our life. He's not trying to slowly reform us so that we become more civilized and better behaved individuals. God breaks in us with new life. He transforms us and he changes us, and that's how the gospel works. So pray that the gospel, the word here that Paul uses, would run and be crowned upon those who receive it, crowned in their lives. We're to pray this way because it's very easy for us as we go out to share the gospel to develop habits of hesitancy and shyness, to try to be so you know, nuanced and so careful and so, so stating our stuff to appeal to the attitudes of men that we don't confront them with the gospel that confronts them and brings them into repentance and leads them into radical transformation. So pray so that we don't develop habits of hesitancy and shyness in setting the gospel forward. We're to pray this way because it's a way of praying counter to the domineering dullness of this age in which we live. In fact, we're to pray this way because we're to live in defiance of the age in which we live. Things are going on as they've always gone on. Man was born to trouble as sparks fly upward. He's always born to trouble. He'll always be born to trouble. It's just the way it is, and we give in to it. No, we stand in defiance of it. It's true, but God can rain down grace by His Spirit to transform men, troubled men who are born to trouble and bring life to it. So we pray in defiance of the age in which we live. In fact... Intercessory prayer is claiming a future that no one can see or believe or embrace except they see it and believe it and embrace it through the power and promise of the gospel. So seeing it and believing it and embracing it 
we pray believingly in defiance of the age and the progressive testimony of where this world is going because we know that God can break in at any moment. He did it in our lives. Finally, we pray this way for the rapid advance of the gospel crowning people's lives because ultimately, that's the way the gospel still needs to work in our life. God needs to many times come upon us and advance in upon us. God needs to bring us to new points of crisis where His work within us by the Spirit of God surges forward, leading us into surrender to Him, stripping from us the things that we've become accustomed to holding to that are just measures of our own comfort and our own self-satisfaction. In fact, one of the reasons I think that Christians are reluctant to pray for this kind of dynamic work of the gospel in our communities is because if He did, we'd have to change the way we live in those communities. And we don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We've learned, like Lot, to live at ease in Sodom. If God broke in, God might press us to rush out from places and rush into places. Pray for the rapid advance of the gospel, crowning the lives of those who receive it, because we ourselves must live that way. So what did we say last week? Pray for the rapid advance of the gospel. Pray for it with faith in the power of the gospel. Pray for it against the hesitancy of our own flesh. Pray for it as a counter-movement to the ways of the world. Pray for the rapid advance of the gospel as a subversive vision that defies the rolling ways of death in our age. Pray for it as a part of our readiness and desire for God to break suddenly in upon ourselves and make us more and more like His Son. What you pray for is what you ought to live for. Here is the last thing that we're going to look at. It is from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And you can take your Bibles and turn there. Pray for peace in our world. Listen to that. Pray for peace in our world and focused energy for the real battle. Actually, in a sense, what we're to pray for is God to institute and continue to institute His Pax Romanus, His way of working in social order and governance to create through leaders like Caesar and like Agrippa, as awful as Agrippa was, and like Cornelius, some type of established pattern in which there would be a level of peace that makes for and provides for a more efficient expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1-4, through 4, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I think when we read Scripture and we consider those who are reading it for the first time, you'll see that Paul is speaking about the lives that they, when he says we, he's including himself with all of them, the life that they should be aspiring to live. And as he speaks it, as they're reading it, they're applying it to, as they read all men, see that God desires to save all men. You understand that as they apply what they're reading, that they apply it to the world that's right before them. The all men of the people who are in their neighborhood, the all men of the society that surrounds them. I want you to see something in this passage, by the way. First thing I want you to see, just as a note, 
is that in this passage, we are not being called upon to pray directly for a person's salvation. I'm not saying that it's wrong to pray for a person's salvation. In fact, that's what we talked about last week in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1. We are to pray for people to be saved. We're to pray that they're to be overrun rapidly with the gospel, that it's to sweep in upon them and crown their lives, and it's to rush them into the kingdom of God. But in this prayer that we're reading in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in the passage we're looking at, the call is not directed towards a request for a person's personal salvation. Instead, these are prayers for God to provide the environment in which the ministry and message of the gospel may be most favorably broadcast or made known by His people. We're to pray for those things that make for peace in our world and a quiet life, which will then in turn help us put our energies into what should be the real battle and real focus of our lives. Our God-given task to make the gospel known to all men. So that's what's being prayed for. It's a good place to come to at the end. All the things we've talked about prayer. Now we pray, God, over all the earth, over my community and world, establish an environment. And it's understanding something what that environment is. And do you see here, it's not a contentious environment that makes for the most conducive way and the most conducive place in order to share the gospel. Well, in times of turmoil and when many in our country are agitated in spirit, our chief concern should be for peace. A peace for the sake of communicating the gospel in a gentle spirit filled with the convicting work of God. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until tomorrow, God bless you.